Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Pablo. Pablo. Right, Johnny, we are live. Episode 113, I believe. So we are um, pushing deep into the century. So how are you doing, my man? Fun enough, I've just finished legs about half hour ago. I did legs this morning. I felt I had to lay down in the gym. Did you? As, I, as we previously discussed, two minutes before, <clears throat> I've been doing, so <clears throat> two reps in reserve, one rep in reserve, and then Jolie and Yates style, you must do the last set at 100% intensity until you fall over. Is this um, every micro cycle or just like the last week of your meso cycle or... No, all of them, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I JP. Do, I wouldn't do it. I don't do it on squats because you can't really. Well, it's what you could. You can, but it's probably uns- de- it's probably unsafe. I, yeah, I won't do it on squats. I don't do it on any Romanian deadlift, straight leg deadlift because I think I feel that's a bit unsafe. I I, uh, I I would say don't do it on any compounds. Maybe you can get away bench press because obviously. Usually you've got spotter or spotter arms or something that will save yeah. you if you when you fail. But yeah, I'm not sure if I'm too keen on going to like squats that I'd never go to failure in. Albeit, I guess you still can have safety arms. And let's be honest, I bailed out of squats before and then yeah. just, just bailed out and just jumped out of the way. But I imagine that's not particularly safe. I think the I think the thing is like you probably have to be quite experienced or silly. I don't know, experienced or silly, whichever way you want to look at it to try to go to failure on something like a squat because I think it's probably more likely to be less the fact that you're going to crumble underneath it and, and die necessarily but you'll just kind of try you, like you'll lose form while still being able to push the weight and injure yourself rather than just completely lose form and not be able to push the weight yeah it's true because to be fair like on a bench press you're likely unless your pec tears off or something like that um, you're likely just failing and dropping the weight and obviously if you've got safety bars you're right aren't you let's be honest you're not going to die um, no. You probably not really die even if you drop it. I mean, I've got stacked under a, a barber before and just had to lay there and scream for help. And someone had to come and get me. So I've only done it once. I rolled it off. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done that. Problem is, if you roll it off, once it gets down to your hips or like the groin area, it's like, oh my god, that is painful. Yeah. Um, I've literally bailed again on the on a. I, actually, no, I bailed on a half fail. So I got it most of the way up. And I think I managed to get one because it was it was on these benches that had pins behind, no safety bars, so it's just like a flat bench with a with a um, with pins above it, so obviously you can rack it. And I think I managed to get one side of the barbell on the pins, and mm. not the other. But I think I managed. I think I thought I'd got the other, so I went to put it on. That just kind of fell, and I bailed. And as I fell, obviously one side stayed up. Once I went down, so that then meant all the plates fell off one side. Barbell then flips up the other way, and all the plates fell off the other side. Obviously, causing a Fucking racket in the gym, massive. Racket. Big scene. Speaking of that situation, I was in the gym once, and some guy, he's L of a squat, he's like 240, 260 squat of a reps. So this guy had left I mean, on five plates a side, so he's left on 220 kilos. So watch this guy, <clears throat> pulls one off. All right. I bet he does. Ray! Ray! <laughs> one off, as a, you're risking it, but I know. Yeah. Puts a third one off, and puts a fourth one off, and then the barbell. Knee is about two inches from a, a little girl. Not it's a little girl, as in like 18, 19 year old, small. 
she would have died. <laughs> that, um, our friend John, um, who we've been speaking about, um, our contractor John, I don't know what you want to describe him. I don't want to give away too much details on the podcast, but, you know, gone John C, his surname is. Yeah. You know I'm talking about Johnny. So I had to obviously give him some uh, information about myself. And one of the stories I told was that almost the kind of thing. So a bit, I think it was an EZ bar when I first went to the gym. Clearly I did biceps, as you, everyone does when we first go to the yeah. gym. Uh, EZ bar on a preacher. Yeah, and, yeah, and a bit of chest. Um, preacher bench. And I did exactly that. Took like, I don't know, I probably only probably had 10, 10 kilo plates on either side. But I took a 10 kilo plate off one side. Obviously that was on. And the bar obviously just... Pew, flipped up past my face and that's one of those moments where I remember very vividly because I kind of played back if it had hit me thinking in my head that it would probably killed me or at least break my jaw that type of same sort of thing because the bar that flew past my face like without me there's like blinked that was gone I was like whoa if that had hit me that would have been dangerous we've got a bad jaw after that drinking through a straw yeah. Long get whey protein in, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. yeah. Gain still straw. Yeah. So um yeah, that was that was one of those embarrassing gym moments where I nearly killed myself. So um yeah. That and obviously let's say bathing on the bench. I've had many things actually, many things like that. I saw a guy, uh big dude, I think he was in the RAF or something, there was a guy who used to go to our gym and he was a bit of a crossfitter, but obviously it wasn't a crossfit gym. But he used to do like he used to just commandeer like a, a rack with a barbell and a load of plates, like use all the fucking plates in the gym. And he was pretty strong to be fair and pretty big, and had a fucking good work ethic in terms of work capacity and endurance. But I see him do that once. He had probably like I don't know. I'm gonna guess three or four plates aside. So what would that have been? Either one forty, one sixty. Yeah, one forty, one sixty. And he was like doing dead, like I don't know, some sort of like fucking power deadlifts for for reps on those. And obviously he's sweating and dribbling and panting and I see him then rack, re-rack it. Took three plates off one side and that did exactly the same thing. The bar went through the roof. They had like these the polystyrene, you know like the polystyrene tiles you have in the offices or that's like the gym had a load of those. And that just smashed all these tiles out everywhere. <laughs> oh, no. Bar, literally the barbell, like seven foot barbells went straight up in the air <laughs> from one side and just went through the roof. Uh, uh-oh, I busted the roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Barrack on it. He, uh-huh. To be fair, mate, he just packed his shit up and left. Didn't give a fuck. Did he? Yeah, just didn't give a fuck. That guy's like, whatever, whatever, Trevor. I'm off. Done my second. I'm going. So you did legs, trained legs. Um, yeah. Legs to right. failure. Anyway, we hi- I hijacked that conversation a bit. So you um, did your AMRAP. It was all relevant. Front squats. I didn't go to failure on that. I do front squats, Romanian deadlifts. Um, minus 120 for 10 on that. It's pretty good. Um, Lunges, single leg, seated, hamstring curl, and then seated calves. Three sets of everything. Sounds solid. Sounds yeah, solid. it was up. It was good. I liked it. I enjoyed. Good. Day off tomorrow. Back in Tuesday. Have you been consistent over the weeks? Yeah, hundred percent. Because that's the main thing. Consistency. Yeah. Focusing on that process and not worrying about one day to, or one day, like more worried about one day to the next and just ticking boxes off. Yeah, 100%. Well, I got to, I got to the early May to get to where I want to be, ideally. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get as shredded as possible by May. Uh, but if I don't May the 6th, so 
by then. Do you find... So what? Well, 10 months. I was just going to ask a question. Are you finding that having this kind of specific event and deadline is really helping with your adherence consistency? Yeah. I know it's a silly question because, you know, I know the, I probably know the answer and I think we, we kind of um, promote or talk about that type of stuff enough. But I just want to ask, like, kind of your personal opinion on, is it really genuinely helping you? Yeah, definitely. I, I usually I'll snack quite a bit. Just little bits here and there. Just like just get into a habit by <clears throat> don't tell it and not doing as much. I'd still do it a bit, but not nowhere near as much because I, I know I'll track it this time when before I probably got a half a track I'd be with what might be my birthday, Eliza's birthday, she's got a lot of cake, yeah, we? so I've just tracked everything I've eaten. I said, Well, no point lying to yourself, is there? You know what I mean? No. So, but I'm like, Oh my, 14, 11, 14, 12 ish, so 16, 18, I started, so it's going pretty decent well so far. So I'm again. I think I need to lose about a pound a week on average for the next <clears throat> no, long as yeah, was that ten months? Yeah. So forty pound for three well, I say just under three stone. So I'll be I would say around that weight I should be shredded light. So seven to twelve stone. Okay. A six foot. Okay. Interesting. Sure. I'd be interested now if I could fast forward to that date to now see how what you're now saying aligns to the reality of what ends up being. Like without sounding like I'm taking the Mickey, it'd be interesting yeah. just to be able to see. Single digit area. You sorry, mate? You froze. Am I back? No, yeah, you back. Go on. Say again. Connection up for some reason. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, because unless you've been there, like photo shoot condition, body, you you don't know, you never know what your actual weight is, and it's all it's mostly lighter than you think. So maybe it'd be like eleven stone, who knows? But I don't know, fourteen. Well, last night I was in good condition. I was twelve six, something like that. So I think I'm going on that. So I'd be about a stone less than lighter than that. Then I should be in, in right right ballpark, I'd guess. Yeah. Well, see. Good. Yeah. You know, um, I'll gain some muscle in them a couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you have. And to be honest, I've I've put out some content and, and also answered a couple of questions this week around this sort of topic around like gaining muscle in a deficit, because like people have said, oh, do I need? Is it true that I need to to kind of be in a calorie surplus to to gain muscle or? Um, I asked. I think the one of the that I put my stories around. I put a poll out about whether people thought that they they had to be in a surplus, etc. And like even now you're dieting, and obviously we'll be dieting until May. There's nothing to say that you still can't build some muscle in that time. It's more difficult for someone who's been training for years. Isn't it? It's not. Enough. It can be done. Definitely, it can be done. But I think for most people who've trained as long as us, it's extremely difficult. Yeah. Well. Absolutely, I agree with the sentiment. I don't know if I agree with like us, as in me, because I think I don't know how advanced. In fact, actually, if anyone listens to the Stronger by Science podcast, which is to be fair brilliant, and I wouldn't necessarily always recommend or promote other people's podcasts on their own, but it's really good. Greg Knuckles and Eric Trexler, very funny. I actually like him. I like both their sense of humour. They've both got very dry, sarcastic humours, which I think is quite like. Um, but obviously, they're both also very knowledgeable in training nutrition. They were talking about. Um, 
training age, someone asked a question around like, how do I determine my training age or what type of status of lifter am I, like beginner, intermediate or whatever. And like, even though people have trained for five years, 10 years, it's always hard to then say that that makes them a, an intermediate or advanced lifter, etc. Because to be honest, I've been training now probably, what I thought or considered, I've probably been training for 10 years circa-ish, on and off. Last five years probably with some more um, emphasis on quality and, and trying to lift correctly. But probably only last, again, two or three years, what I would probably say a lot better. And I'm obviously still not perfect. So I still I still consider myself reasonably novice. I mean, I'm weak as piss anyway, so that would probably tell me a lot. Um, but there you go. Yeah, no. You what? Got to be intermediate. <sighs> Maybe scraping on, the in, just about just just got out of beginner into the intermediate. I don't know. Anyway, go like Greg, Greg's just before you go, the Greg's point was. Um, like, does it even fucking matter anyway? Like, why do you care? Like, I, he said, I, he said, in, in all due respect, I don't know how to categorize. The, the guy asked the question; he was answering like, I don't know how to categorize what type of lift or states of lift you are. Also, in all due respect, I don't actually care. So, I was like, fair point. Yeah, fair one. Yeah. You would be doing a long time. You think, oh my god, man, you weak as piss. I mean, you're like, oh. I don't know, I've probably picked a group of your gear, right? And they just, they can't put it like, ah, well, you're in trouble. Yeah. You've got a big lump as well, it's like, you're in trouble. You're not training properly, you're not doing something right. Yeah. Although, obviously, we know that um, strength and hypertrophy aren't necessarily the same thing. And yes, there's some overlap, but, you know, you can definitely get big without getting strong, and you can definitely get strong without getting big. So. Mm. You think that, you look at that, you look at the, the best bodybuilders ever, they're as strong as well, aren't they? Probably. Yeah. Or put it this way, I always think like I don't know, you can I think it's probably more likely you can get big guys that aren't strong. But if you're strong you're probably yeah. also gonna be big. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. I have these big lumps in gym I think, mm, not as strong as I thought you would be. I mean it's like well there we are then. Like me. That point about gaining muscle in a de- in a deficit. If you if you if you give us a long enough so like I don't know, whatever, eat twelve 12 months, 18 months or whatever, so you go, right, I'm fat now, whatever, I'll do a pre-diet, and then I'll go slight surplus. So, so in that little phase, you gain a little bit of muscle. So across the year, you essentially gain muscle across the year, but I think you'd have to split it up into specific sections of the diet. So even though the diet is 18 months-ish or whatever, it's split up into sections, pre-diet, maintenance, um, lean bulk, maybe, proper diet, maintenance, diet break, again, blah, 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 in that fashion. Maybe you could do it that way. Yeah, maybe. Interesting to see. Is there, because the thing is, like, is the 3DMJ and um, rations, periodization, they do a pre-diet, don't they? Like a pre-diet to a diet, yeah, depending where you're at. Yeah, I think so. I mean, put it this way, I think they like to not be too far off like stage weight before they start an actual contest prep because obviously it gets yeah. just too... I think I can't remember what episode it was, but a few episodes ago or maybe the last couple, we spoke about that where we said, look, it's actually, no, it was the one with Ed actually, I think we were talking about, we were talking about maintenance diets where we said like, you can't really drive from fucking Land's End to, you know, John O'Groats or I don't know, Geography. I think they're two furthest points away, aren't they? 
Um, you can't do that without stopping and resting at some point. It's the same principle, isn't it, with a pre-diet and a diet. Like you have a, like a before the diet diet and then, you know, you might hold it a bit and let things settle in fatigue to dissipate and then you kind of go into your actual contest prep or your photo shoot prep or whatever prep it is because that way it just makes the whole process a lot easier than trying to do it all in one stint. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's like bulk isn't it? You, you need some sort of break because you're not going to just keep getting muscle and keep getting muscle and keep getting muscle, are you? No. No, I, I mean, think... I think the, the post you put out on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> obviously, Dan's saying that you've been dieting for all our time. He's but, can't, though, so whatever. <laughs> but in terms of in terms of that, it might, <clears throat> you might have been quote unquote lean bulking. So where that actually, I've been overweight before, many moons ago. So it's like the back of your head, oh, actually, I don't want to gain so much that I get back to that sort of level. But then you look at people like Mike Israel who go, right, actually, muscle's hard, harder to gain than fat is to lose. It's easy to lose fat, it's hard to gain muscle, especially naturally. So it is of the opinion <clears throat> to change now, but um, you may as well be a bit overzealous on the calories. Yeah, you might gain a bit of extra fat because you do that for 12 weeks you could mini cut for a month and take off a lot and then you can go again you can mini cut take off a lot you go again mini cut so you're, you're maximizing muscle gain obviously you're, you're probably not maximizing but you're gaining more fat than you probably would but you're maximizing muscle gain which is the absolute goal of it all and then you mini cut the strategic times to limit how fat you actually get, yeah. but it depends. If you're a bodybuilder, then you don't want to be get, you don't want to be getting. I, I can't imagine they want to get over 14 percent ever, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a normal person, then you could probably afford to go a bit, you know, a bit longer. Because someone at ten percent, a normal person looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but that's fat for for a bodybuilder on stage. But for most general pop, ten percent is like, well, that's the ultimate goal for me. Yeah. But yeah, you could do it like that, couldn't you? Would you do yeah. it like that? Would you go all out? Well, I'm not saying be over, be ridiculous. Like if you make it a two and a half, don't you know? Five thousand is ridiculous, isn't it? But yeah, well, let's, let's let me just comment on. I suppose like so, like I agree with your print or Mike's principle, obviously as you quoted him, Mike uh, Israel, and I guess I agree with the principle of definitely muscle gain is harder, fat loss is fairly easy, certainly a lot quicker, and you see you can see progress a lot easier and. So I guess it would make sense to really kind of like commit more to the harder part to make sure it happens, i.e., you know, eat a bit more to make sure that you, you do kind of maximise that muscle gain part because obviously that is the difficult bit. And like you say, you might seem a bit more fat gain than maybe is optimal or what you want, but the bit that is optimal is getting the most muscle gain because you can kind of then easily cut off the fat, as you say, with having some mini cuts and at least then you've maximised the muscle gain um, in the first place to then when you then do lean down, you should hopefully have a bit more tissue. Um, or lean tissue however i do think that the second obviously it's all very contextual i know you know this and i know this is what you would have said anyway but i think it does depend on the individual so much that like if you've been formerly overweight there's obviously research and we do know that overweight people tend to find it a bit easier to put body fat back on um whether that's because obviously the uh fat cells are a bit easier or there's more fat cells to to obviously absorb more fat um i don't know how proven or, or kind of yeah, I don't know if that's scientifically proven or whether that's just theory, but 
you know, I think anecdotally, and obviously some of the evidence does show, and obviously rather than the actual mechanisms, but if you've been overweight before, it is easier to kind of, or your body, like the extra calories can can kind of synthesize, or, or you will get a bit fatter quicker than someone that's never been overweight, and they're probably more likely to build lean muscle a bit easier, or sort of favor lean muscle than body fat. So because of that, I think if you are a person who's overweight, or has, sorry, a person that's been overweight before, you might want to try and limit it and take the more lean block approach. Because I think you probably are a bit more susceptible to probably you doing too much body fat and not not as optimal as as, mil, as building muscle. If that makes sense. So so I would probably categorise myself in that in that latter part, where because I've obviously been overweight before, I probably do need to take it, and that's I purposely have been doing that, trying to take it a lot slower than maybe I have done previously. So like the post you referenced, I said about how. I suppose the, the and maybe like obviously you maybe not finished your update but we've obviously got onto topic now so maybe we'll just go into it shall we as in terms of you not updated exactly what you've been doing this week Jonathan because I don't want to know what you ate for breakfast this morning but um, and obviously I said nothing about my week but by the way the post you referenced before I keep rambling anymore was one obviously put out during the week and it got some quite good feedback or sort of interaction I should say rather than feedback of people um, and it was inspired by uh, Mr Dan Mack again um, as was last week's podcast how does that keep happening eh thinking about that uh, and it was essentially him burning me with a with a comment along the lines of, but you've been dieting for ages, haven't you? I was like, what? Have I fuck, mate? It's basically what I was thinking. Um, and I said, no, I haven't. What made you think that? He said, oh, I just thought that you were. And I was like, well, no, actually. Um, I am kind of at the top end of a long, long mass for the whole, um, give or take the odd maintenance phase and the odd mini cut. So... I was kind of like, where did that come from? Why do you think that? And also, is he basically just saying I'm piss small and I must be dieting because if not, I'd be a lot bigger. I'm not sure he meant it like that. I think I don't think that's what he meant at all. But <laughs> that did burn me a bit. Um, but yeah, I suppose like I've so to, so to kind of bring it into that context, I have purposely kind of lim- tried to limit my uh, weight gain or rate of weight gain to try and optimize more muscle and less body fat because I think if I pushed it harder I would just end up putting on more body fat and not really any more muscle mass because I think that's just maybe because I was overweight that might be the reason as to why I'm you know I have to take it that that kind of more mm-hmm. lenient approach um but it's in, it interesting really like they sparked this post about me kind of talking about that but also saying about how like I wanted to be honest because it was really difficult for me to do it genuinely like it's not one of these oh like these fake fake realistic realism posts like oh i'm being super real here and look here's a picture of my gut out you know we're not all in shape kind of thing i genuinely did was a bit like oh this makes me feel very uncomfortable posting actual footage of me lifting where i feel i look not particularly great now just anyone listening just bear in mind that everything is relative it's all relevant to that individual um, some people I, I'm fully aware might look at my physique and think, yeah, you look pretty good, or oh, I'd love to look like that. But I guess it all comes from your own starting point. So some people, if you're you know, if you're 50 kilos overweight, then of course you're going to look at someone who's not 50 kilos overweight and say, I would love to look like that. I say, of course, you know what I mean, if you do want to lose weight, that is. Um, so I get that. So I'm not trying to like be condescending or unsympathetic or unempathetic to anyone else, but obviously it's my own personal feelings and I felt very uncomfortable about the the footage and just how I looked in general. Um, Mainly because I know that I'm not particularly overweight and I know that I'm not in any way obese, but I'm not what I would consider lean. I'm nowhere near as lean as I have been. 
and I also tend to have like a body fat distribution, which everyone jokes about, Ed jokes about all the time on the podcast, where it makes me feel a bit probably self-conscious. So things like around my ass area, my legs, my love handles, they make me feel like, oh, I'm, I'm probably bigger than maybe I am in terms of like body fat I hold. Because I guess like if you looked at my arms, top half, still got, you know, like if I tensor in really good lighting, still got an all right like set of abs-ish, um, albeit they are fading, admittedly, but they're still there. Um, some people might think, oh, actually, you, know, you look all right. You know, that looks pretty good. But then actually, I don't think about that. I think about the bits I hate the most, i.e. like my love handles and my ass and that sort of stuff. In fact, my wife even said to me yesterday, someone's got your ass like a bit of a big ass. I was like, what? She went, well, not a big ass, but you know what I mean, like a, like a, like a normal ass. I was like, you just said big. I was like, fucking hell. So, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just... What? Yeah, yeah. So, honestly, it's just it does make you think like, oh, like we all. I suppose the point of the post was really like we all have these issues. Though, like no one. I, I wanted to point it out there to say, look, there's no way for me to hide here, and this is really uncomfortable. But I kind of wanted people to take this message home around like, do does anyone actually care what I look like? Anyone reading this, do they care what I look like? And I kind of finished the post with the lines of like, if the answer's no, like you don't care what I look like, or you know, you either have no opinion or actually think I look quite good or whatever then if the shoe's on the other foot everyone else would be thinking the same so if that's the case why do people why do people get so self-conscious about themselves like why do they worry what other people think about them when actually that person wouldn't bat an eyelid or wouldn't be thinking about them for more than about two seconds after they've looked at an Instagram post of rambled like, well, Jim it's like women more than men Oh, I'm scared of people think we're in the gym. I can guarantee you nobody's even noticed you're there. I've never yeah. ever looked at someone new and gone, "Oh, they knew." I like, have. If, I have if they got yeah. some tight yoga pants on, some gym shark yeah. jobbies. Now, jokes. We're not sexist. We're not lechy sexist old men. Well, we are a bit, but jokes. Not really. Jokes. Yeah. Felt cute. Might delete later. Might edit out later. <laughs> yeah. Because again, they're not really actually cats. They don't nobody that goes, oh, they, they're they new. Nobody even does notice you there. Because for me, I get my earphones in, I'm worried about how much work I'm doing next, not who is at the front door of the gym coming in for the first time. I don't care. So it's like, right, right, what you're saying there. People are very self conscious, but other people just don't care yeah. what you look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you go to us, then people will be lucky. But I'm not sure. Even, I'm not sure even then people be that bothered. Like not for more than a minute anyway. Because they'd be bored after think, a minute. I think what would happen? Oh well, get on go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? Everybody's worried about themselves, and most of the time you're not really worried about anybody else that's outside your immediate family or friends like I don't care what anybody's doing in the gym I do, sometimes I do, I do think if someone's doing something really horrifically wrong I can, could do a lot better then that's it even even then though would you because this often comes up as a topic would you then even go speak to someone if you saw someone in the gym you thought oh they could do that a bit better or like there's a scale isn't there someone just doing something poorly where you think oh actually they could get more out of it and there's someone doing something so poorly they might injure themselves either scale would you even speak to anyone about it no no I don't think so I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't purposely go up to someone because they'd tell you to fuck off probably 
Yeah, even if even if you're right and they're totally wrong, it's just like well, it's unless you know, unless you get to know them, then you yeah, can't. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different. I'm talking more unsolicited. Would you go up to somebody and say, "Excuse me, mate, um, I'd really like oh, to help bullshit. you." Yeah, would you? I'd really like to help you. Would you? Do you want? Do you want some advice, or is there anything I can help with? Kind of that sort of thing. I just think, oh, you know, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do it. It'd make me feel very uncomfortable. Despite even if I think I should, because like from a safety aspect, if they're if they're, if they're kind of deadlifting, look like a dog doing a poo, you do think to yourself, well, I think that's probably quite dangerous, and they might hurt themselves. So maybe I should speak to them, but you don't, do you? No, you know people like don't like being told, do they? No, most people don't. Most of the time, like there's a guy in the gym. He's in his forties. He's been training a while, but it's the, he's the worst trainer I've ever seen in my life. Ever, he's so bad at everything. Um, imagine a bench press. He doesn't warm up. Go straight to ninety k, and again, you're an idiot for the start. Except in your age, you've got more intelligence. Goes ninety on the bar, brings his neck up. So, but when the bar comes down, his neck comes up, right? So, imagine he's not benching with his chest. He's benching with like his shoulders. If you get what I mean. So he's bringing halfway down, and then shooting his shoulders forward and up. I'm thinking, how have you not torn everything in your shoulders? Is beyond me. But everything he does is wrong and terrible at heavyweight. It's like, you're an idiot. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. But you'd, you'd obviously like to go and sort of, out of, for the best intentions, speak to him and try and help and support, wouldn't you? But it's just so difficult in that type of setting. Anyway, we digress, I suppose, a little. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you're an idiot for about 10 seconds. I'm thinking, bloody hell. How have we not learned to throw all our time doing it? But anyway. No. But then let's say you you kind of you, you you bat an eyelid and then you move on to the next thing and you've not you've basically just forgotten about it instantly. Yeah, and that's how people should think about themselves, I think, because and that's what I've tried to tell myself. Like, look, no one else cares about me, so why should I care about what other people think of me when they generally don't give a shit? So, and I, I suppose like one of the analogies someone once I heard somewhere or someone told me I can't remember which because I can't recall really where where I heard it or where it came from, but. Someone said a, a quote, and I'll butcher a little bit, but it was along the lines of everyone is their own lead film star in their own movie kind of thing. As in, like, you know, as you're watching a film, you kind of focus on the lead and all the little background people you pay no attention to, really. Um, and obviously, like, everyone has their own film where they're that lead. So everyone else that's kind of, kind of wandering in and out of their life in the background, they don't really pay much attention to because they're really too busy focusing on themselves being the lead in their own film that's a really good way of thinking of things because obviously if you're thinking like that which let's be honest you are you're thinking like I'm sure Johnny you can probably think actually yeah that is kind of true I only really think about myself I know obviously I know you've got your family and whatever else but you know what I mean like for the most time you're in your own head you're with you 100% of the day obviously you are you so you kind of only consider yourself like the lead role in this in the film of Johnny's life kind of thing yeah so if you think that, everyone else thinks that. So they don't give a fuck about what you think. So they don't care. So why do you care? Well, it's true, isn't it? Oh. Why are you so bothered? Why are you so bothered? I don't is it, is it, why am I so bothered? Yeah, but this is because um, probably women in the 80s and 90s, early 2000s, were, they were the ones bombarded with, you should look like this, you should look like blah, 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 size, whatever. And then they've gone, well, I'm subconscious because that's right. I'm supposed to look like I'm not. But now it's turned to men. And men, they're like, oh, you must, you've got to have abs. You've got to have 
like people watch films, you've got The Rock, you've got Jason Statham, all these big units with abs. And then people, they assume that they need to look like that as well. And they're like, oh, I don't know if they got so they get self-conscious. So is it outside influence again, you to thinking you should just look like a certain, you should look a certain way, but you don't. You know what I mean? Mm. So that affecting, the best thing to do is like completely yourself. Because your genetics are different to somebody else's genetics. You're never going to look like somebody else. It's just not going to happen, is it? No. There's only one Dwayne Johnson. There's only one Brett. There's only one me. You know what I mean? So you're never going to look like somebody else. Just there's look a like what you're going to look like. There's a couple of Bretts. Maybe one huh? Brett's got Brett's Yeah, true. It's Legend. Brett. Dead. So like. Shit, you might be dead, actually. Yeah. Yeah, was, was, it the other, dead, was, it? was it the other one? Owen Hart. Did he die? I think it was the other yeah. one. I think Brett. I think he fell, fell, fell off something wrong, didn't he? Like a rig or something, didn't he? Yeah. A lot of them died, didn't they? They do loads of, loads of steroids, loads of painkillers, don't sleep much. Yeah. And just like that. Travel too much. Like basi- yeah. Basically, as fake as the entertainment world of WWE or professional wrestling is. There's also still a lot of injuries happen because they are still hitting each other, albeit not full force, but still having to take big blows and constantly yeah. getting kind of beat up. Um, oh, oh, side note, I find this interesting, right? Obviously, like you know, wrestling is certainly big in like the states, collegiate wrestling and stuff, like huge. You're almost like a superstar at, at college if you're like a wrestler. And if you go up to like varsity and other like high level wrestling, like amateur wrestling, like do really well right it's really popular once you get past amateur there's no professional wrestling league is there literally the only professional is WWE how weird is that an entertainment company that's weird isn't it like unless you go into mm. something different like MMA or or you can take wrestling to something like that but there's no actual professional league in wrestling like there is football or like you oh. do you know you do college American football or basketball or like in England you know you do all the football stuff here at least you then can go to a professional league and play for a living you can't do that in wrestling so weird yeah, it is a bit odd when you mention it again. Maybe because wrestling's just a bit boring to watch, as in, like, actual wrestling as a sport. Yeah, I suppose it's an Olympic sport, don't it? You know I mean so? Is it? Is it still an Olympic sport? I suppose it is, yeah. I don't, to be honest, I very rarely watch the Olympics. No, um, Okay, so. What else have we got to chat about in terms of this kind of idea of your own journey? Enjoy, like don't care what other people say I suppose maybe that bit your own journey we didn't focus maybe enough on that which is some of the messages that I want to get out so because you said it like you should only really focus like you use the analogy of training the gym you should only focus about what you're doing but I think one of the keys to success is that being quite introverted in terms of your outlook and perspective on things like progression you should only really be worrying about what you do you should be worried about competing against yourself um, yes you have to train hard you have to kind of push yourselves but <coughs> Like, you don't have to train hard compared to another individual, really. I mean, obviously, if it motivates you, brilliant. You know, great, crack on. But, like, I think when you, if you don't start kind of being introverted, introverted around your own progression and then basically focusing on your own process, I think you, it's too easy to lose motivation. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. 100%. If you're looking at other people all the time and wanting to be like them and you're not ever going to be like them, but when you realise you can't be like them, your motivation is just getting eaten away all the time. You've got to beat yourself every time you go in the gym. 
like have you, I've mentioned Mr. Dorian Yates multiple times already, but you watch his videos, and then he's, he does not care about anybody else but himself in the gym. Doesn't matter what they look like, how much lift they weight, lift weight they lift in. He's just right. This is my goal. This is what I got to do. I'm gonna this. I'm gonna work as hard as I can till I fall down if I have to. And that is the mentality he's got, which people, I think in general, need to have more of. I'm not saying you have to like, you know, squat till you fall down, but. <clears throat> Too many people, men, women, are always looking for that one trick. There isn't any one trick ever. If you want to be in very good condition from wherever you are, then you are going to have to work hard. And the harder you work, the more likely you are to get there. There's no special diet. There's no special training plan. There's not even drugs that can out, that are going to help you if you don't work out in the gym. So you compete with yourself and you get better with yourself every day. You're going to be happy. Oh, actually, last week I've done this much weight for this many reps. This week I've done one rep more. I've put more weight on. You do that all the time. You're focusing on a process, and then the outcome will will come. If you're hitting mini goals every day, every week, then there's no doubt that the final outcome will be what you want. But <clears throat> work hard. Yeah. this stuff. No, absolutely. I think like the, the the bit there around consistency and process. You, if you don't, or if you're not consistent, then I think you're going to undermine your own progress so much that inevitably it probably won't happen. And I think you need to be kind of this process oriented person, or or kind of become that process oriented person, um, and become that consistent. Because we know that like the biggest predictor of the success of a diet is adherence. So adherence, can you stick to it? Is it consistent? Um, and obviously, I also think it's the same weight training or, or bodybuilding. Like the biggest predictor is, again, consistency, adherence. You know, like, yes, you need to train smart. You need to train effectively. You know, you need to kind of have a good program and have a progression model, all that type of stuff. But actually, you can get a fucking hell of a way by just turning up every day. No, just turn up every day. Okay, I'll use the, the, the phrase every day loosely, as in, you know, I'm not expecting you to train seven days a week, but you know what I mean. Just by doing the things you're supposed to do and being consistent with them, that's a big part. That's a big, big lot of the way there. Um, in in dieting, training, physique building, bodybuilding, or your sport, or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. I think just consistency is so underrated. There's one thing, like from a coaching perspective, like I often, like I sign, I, I am, um, I signed. I uh, started, a, we had a new client come on, didn't we, this week, um, a lady, a young lady called Bethany, really nice, um, really good goals, super strong as well already, but she wants to drop a bit of body fat, and I said to like position something that I do with pretty much every new client that I take on, like one thing you'll find, it'll be boring as hell, but I will consistently bang on about consistency, like and say like, you'll hear this from me week on, week out in terms of feedback and, and just kind of instructions that consistency 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 is what will um get us to where you need to go go and hit your goal basically no one's expecting perfection i'm never going to expect you to be like optimal all the time and this type of stuff but what i do expect is consistency like because that will be what trumps anything else i think this is the thing and i suppose if you relate it back to obviously the original start of the, the the podcast or question and this post that i put out i suppose like I may not be comfortable right now in my physique. I might have all these things I don't like, but 
I am consistently turning up and, and kind of improving, and that's what I focus on. That's what makes me feel better. That's what makes me think, do you know what? Actually, yeah, okay, I might not be where I want to be exactly now, but I am consistently improving in some way, shape, or form, like week on week or day on day or month on month or whatever. Um, and I know it's a means to an end almost. I know that this is part of the process that I have to follow to get to a point where I want to be. And I think that's what makes me happy, like focusing on that process. I realized, like, this is what now makes me feel, do you know what, actually, this is what it's about. It's not necessarily about having, like, the physique that you dreamed of right at the end of it. Because I'll be honest, we, I think we all know that once it comes to that, you're probably not going to be any happier. Like, once you get that physique, are you going to be any happier? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I don't think that's going to be the thing that makes or breaks your happiness. I think what makes or breaks your happiness will be whether you'll be happy. And I think that comes with the process and, you know, like enjoying that part of it and just being you know, happy and content rather than having to strive for something new all the time or something better all the time. Yeah, 100%. I think the two people, I think most people don't focus on the process, they focus on what the end goal is. What weight they want to lift, what they want to look like, what weight they want to be, what dress size they want to be, and sometimes it, it detracts a bit from like the little things every day that you think, oh, that doesn't really matter. But actually, it does. If you go in the gym and half-ass it, it's like, what's the point? You're not going to get the results you want. But you look around, you watch. I know you're your own gym. You look around in the gym. You watch them if you're working hard. It's not many, not many. You can see they they lift and like you've got like ten reps left in the tank. What are you stopping now for? And it's yeah. like, yeah. and it's like, go in the gym, be consistent, like you said. Focus on the the daily things you need to do. Be dieting, be in the calorie deficit every day. Make sure you eat enough protein. Train on the days you say you'll train, and then at the end of a session, go. Could I have done any more? No, I worked hard enough to know I couldn't do. I was programmed this many reps, and I couldn't do any more. So why uh, you work hard? You work hard. You be consistent. You hit the little, you hit the big rocks, like we said last week, the eighty twenty. Then you will get eighty percent of the results from doing the things that people will find boring, because it is boring. That's where they want to find the little, the magic tricks, and that's why people don't get results because they, they think, oh, I don't want to work hard. Our population is lazy. Nin- I would say ninety percent of people are lazy. They want the results, but they're not willing to. They're either not willing or they don't understand the level of hard work they need to put in to get to a certain level. Like, how many times have you heard, oh, I want to be like a physique girl? It's like, yeah. Do you know what that takes? I don't think so. 150,000 hit thrusts. Yeah. That's what it takes. It's what it takes. <laughs> yeah, bum photos on Instagram. Donkey kickbacks. Yeah, talking absolute bollocks of the, you know, the, every opportunity. But like you said, if you're consistent, you're at the gym every day, you work really hard, you're in a calorie deficit if you're losing weight, you're at your protein target, then you get 80 or 90% of the result that you want. Then you tweak things to get the final 10%. But if you compete to yourself, I find that is easier because then you're less influenced by other people's bullshit. Like, <clears throat> I was on a... Uh, consult today and she I've had people tell me I need to do keto, I need to do intermittent fasting. It's like, well, the people telling me that don't understand the principle of weight loss. So if you said to that client, right, the principle of weight loss is this give me a cow deficit and you go, right, you compete with yourself. You this is your goal. 
don't worry about other people's influences, you just focus on yourself, then you're less concerned about everybody else's BS because you know they're just talking shit most of the time. So, compete with yourself. What's you doing in the X video before you train? That's what you want to do. What's that? Even if you're female. Like, ignore the fact that he's like a 20 stone inhuman shredded bodybuilder. Look at his work ethic and what he does in the gym, how he acts in the gym. He doesn't talk about the bullshit he did last night or what he's going to do tomorrow night. He just gets in there, trains, smashes it, leaves. Not to worry about anybody else but himself because his goals are his goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, so, uh, Johnny, you've got hard on for training mm, really yeah. hard. And Dorian Yates. Yeah, I used to watch him quite a, I used to watch him quite a lot when I was first out of training, but I got... Was it in front of the laptop, any chance? Box, <laughs> yeah. Box of Kleenex. <laughs> Two boxes. All right. So, hell, Billy Big Balls. I watched London Real the other day. A guy who does the podcast, you'll see, and he interviewed him on there. I go back, watch Blood and Guts again, and we think, God, oh, people don't train the guy. I'm like, not even top professionals train the guy. Most top professionals are just genetic, genetically gifted, and they're lazy. Most, a lot of people don't train a pro body, but look, they're lazy. I well, think, I'm not thinking Mark, because they're not, but a lot of them are. No, I do, I agree. I think, like, there, you have to train hard, but there has to be, I guess, like, training comes in cycles in that there'll be periods where you have to train incredibly hard to a point where you probably aren't going to want to do it and you might even get some anxious moments around doing it which i do like the the last week which was this is this week actually of my mesocycle is by definition obviously like or not not by definition sorry last week of a mesocycle and a good program or a good plan would usually be your hardest um, week because a last week of mesocycle should probably then be followed by a uh, a deload or or a um, period of just basically reducing intensity or volume or and volume and kind of resting up so you kind of make use of the, the general adaptation um, syndrome system uh, I guess and that's the case you get like a week like this week which is an overreaching week where you're pushing volumes hard your intensity is at its highest as well most likely it can be quite anxious and yes you're like oh fuck I don't want to train actually today or the thought of getting into like some some heavy squats for you know for really high reps or very close to failure that makes you feel a bit like fuck i don't know if i want to do this you know you get a couple of sets in and you know you've got like one or two sets left and you're like oh jesus i don't know if i'm gonna do it that can really play in your mind and be quite like unbearable almost to a point so there have to be periods of like that yeah and to be fair some people are a bit masochistic and get get on it like jordan peters was on obviously your steve hall's podcast this week speaking of mike israel about it and jordan was saying he only trains like that every single session because he kind of hates it but absolutely loves it at the same time which i get so i guess those like some people are like that and but i think obviously there has to be periods of that there's also periods of where you will take um lower intensities and lower volume periods um whether it be like from um your macro cycle has periods of lower volume so obviously like your macro cycle will be maybe like your whole year's plan you'll have periods of lower volumes to kind of help like primer or, or resensitize the volume before you push it harder again or you might have like periods in your mesocycle where you have like i do like an intro week where it's a bit easier and you work up like a, a an rir or rpe where you kind of get close to failure week on week till your last week where you're probably hitting failure on most lifts or some lifts. So you're kind of pushing yourself to your, your max work ethic on that final week before you rest and then go again. Um, 
So like, yeah, I, I suppose like me rambling on a bit, I, I wanted to say like, yes, I completely agree. I think it's going to be periods where you have to train hard and maybe a lot of people don't train hard enough in those periods. But it doesn't mean you have to train like every single session just because obviously someone like Jordan Peters does. That's, oh, I that's the, there's, there's got to be some context now why you train a guy and how you train a guy. That you need to be lower volume in general. You can't do this. You can't, you know, you're not going to go to failure on deadlifts because you've been mental as well. Yeah, like fatigue to stimulus is fucking terrible ratio on deadlifts. So like you say, if you're doing that every time, going to failure on deadlifts, you're just going to wipe yourself out to be able to do anything else. Your CNS or central nervous system is going to be wiped out. Um, or, or you might just get fucking injured, most likely, eventually. But if you can see the, the two different styles of training but both being extremely large bodybuilders. In my case, we've had all of volume. Obviously, he understands intensity, but he is like, could be five, six, seven sets when Jordan is like two sets. Yeah. Two working sets. Or like, I think he does, I think he said he did like seven working sets for quarters, I mean, which for most people is not a lot. No. However, if you train with him, you'd probably spill because those. Or you think you do 10 reps on, you're probably capable of doing 18 reps on because yeah. he will force you to use everything you've got to lift it yeah. for the rate. His intensity is just like outrageously like high, isn't it? In that he will push himself to literal failure um, for those two yeah. sets. So like, there's a lot of stuff coming out around like the term effective reps or... Uh, yeah, I think effective reps. There's another term for what people have used, but I can't remember, but it's the same thing basically in that the reps that matter almost. So like, I guess it also kind of coincides with the term junk volume as well. You've heard people say about you doing junk volume, like you might do X amount of sets and then any sets afterwards is just a bit junky. You're not really creating any stimulus for growth and you're just going through creating more fatigue. I guess like it's the same principle in like effective reps in that you might do a set of 10, but actually that's only really the last three or four reps of that 10 that's actually causing any growth because the first six or seven are just kind of starting to recruit motor units and, and obviously muscle fibers and it's only until you get to the last few where they start to recruit all of them where it's actually that's the thing people are starting to think is what's creating the most growth and it, it probably makes sense you know you kind of think well yeah you know i suppose it begs the question is if you do not ever train hard enough and you never get to that point of any effective reps because yes you can do loads of volume but if you're stopping five six seven eight reps of shy of true failure every week are you missing out on some gains or growth? Probably. Um, Would you say that most trainers, even experienced trainers, truly understand their 2RAR? Do you really think they understand, actually, am I really two reps from failure or am I just, this feels a bit hard and about two reps? Because I don't think a lot of people really, truly get Certainly Gen Pop. Is. Yeah, certainly Gen Pop, I don't think. Um, I'd probably say most trainers also probably don't. But obviously, you know, some of the people that have been doing it and, and working with it a long time are probably reasonably good. I still think, you know, you get the likes of people that have always been a proponent of RAR or RPE. People like Steve Hall. I've been using it now for a couple of years in in my kind of like um, uh, programming. And I'd like to think I've got a reasonable idea on it. But I still, I mean, again, I just kept, me and Dan talked about this again on Thursday. I know I keep going about, oh, me and Dan, fitness friends. But um, we would, you know, that's what we, yeah, exactly. He did something off at the same time, to be fair. That's why I was talking, he was just listening. But <laughs> he, um, we were talking about RPO and RIR, and I said, like, it's, to be honest, half the time you're shooting in the dark a little bit. Like, you don't know it's definitely two IR. You don't know it's one RIR. Like, you probably, the closer you get, yes, you might know one or two 
you know, the closer you get. And certainly if you kind of got a lower uh, rep scheme, you know, like if you're doing a rep scheme of three to five, you know, or whatever your rep scheme might be, four to five or whatever you decide to aim for, um, the lower end, you've probably got a good idea of getting how many reps of failure you got. Because if you do four and you basically think, fucking hell, this is incredibly hard, and you think, I don't think I can lift this again, that might be a true nine or one RIR, one left. Whereas if you're doing a 15 rep and you get to 13, I think it's harder to really know whether you're, you know, got 15 in the tank, i.e. a two RIR or an RP of eight, or whether actually you get to 15, could you do another couple? And then actually that's the four RIR then, if you could have done another couple. I think once you get to the higher rep ranges, it's harder to know. Um, yeah. And obviously that's the same thing I think with experience. Like the more experience you get, the, the more you can kind of refine that. But I still don't think you ever... 100% definitely no. Like even now, after I've been using it for a good two, maybe three years, I don't think I, my, when I say, oh, this is about an eight, that's about an eight. I don't think it is an eight. I think it could have been a nine. Maybe it could have been a seven. I don't really know. It's just kind of give an idea. I think the point is, it doesn't really matter because it's a bit like weighing out your food. Like in the grand scheme of things, being dead on 100% accurate isn't really going to be the thing that determines success. It's going to be that consistency. And I think it's the same thing with RIRs and RPEs and training in general. Like, yes, they matter and they matter to a certain extent, but consistency is still going to trump it. And like, whether I'm actually a two or a one, don't fucking matter. If I'm still being kind of consistent in the gym and I'm training and I'm still progressing, um, in air quotes, then it doesn't really matter if I was a two or one because, you know, I'm still getting better. So, that makes sense? Yeah. That makes total sense. I think for most people, what they should do is train with a bit of a loony for one session, just so they they can really find where their failure is for them. You know what I mean? So I used to train with a guy who was mental. I mean, I've never, ever come across someone who trains that hard. Never, ever. No matter how big they are. There's a, there's a small baby on the podcast. Yeah, sorry. Jenna just asked me to hold her while she went and got a dummy because apparently she would stop crying. So I was muted in case she went, meh, meh. Sound like a little lammy. And I kind of obviously interrupted your flow there. Meh. Oh, there we go. Oh, she's, she's, brand, she's, she's a, anybody listening, she's a 19 plate baby. She's a 19 plate baby. Brand new. Oh, brandy. There you go. Mummy's taking her back. Oh, bye. Oh, your head fell over. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> so, as you know, as you train the right lunatic, like, I'm like, the training wasn't insanity proper, it was ridiculous. But it, it made you realise where your actual failure was. And it's way, it was way, way above where I thought it was. So that's why I started doing this thing again. Like, right, go do your last set. Do three failures, yeah. So you just slam yourself. You think, actually. So next week, now I know. It's like today on, on lunges, I was doing, what did they do? 50, 50 to 12, something like that. All right, let's do the last set to failure so I'm, I can't get up, basically. So I have to drop, drop it. So then 60 to 15. So more weight and more reps. So they go, well, actually, those two RIRs were not really two RIRs. So next, you know, I know, because my program is 10 to 12 reps, I know I can put 60 on the bar straight off and go with that. And then I'll do 
the same again. Yeah. So I, you look right actually, I know where it is. So I think over time then, you can look, well, actually I know where failure is coming now, I know where what really is one RAR, what really is two RAR. Yeah. I think, I think um, people, sorry, well actually, especially, I would say, I, I mean it sounds sexist, but if you do that, if you do that to, I think, through weight training, if you do that to a woman straight away, I don't think they train again. Because if you just smack lamb something to the ground, just start. And I don't mean at the first day, but like you know, after a couple of months, then it's going to be hard to come back. I, um, I, I don't uh, think it's just women, mate. I think you could do that to okay. most men and they wouldn't. Yeah, probably. I think, obviously, that's the thing with being at shit PTs. You can go and smash someone and then just send them away. They never come back in because they're like, fucking doing yeah. that again. I think that's both men and women. Yeah. So I think if they get to a certain level, they say they've trained maybe a year. And if their goals are quite substantial, I want to be in photo shoot shape, I want to be this shape. Then they're gonna have to be able to train hard. So if you go back actually now, let's see where you, what you can actually do. If I really forced you to fail on everything in the session, you know, within safety limits obviously, to see where you actually can get to and where you actually are, and then you can take the training up probably quite substantially, because they probably don't know where they are. Because like I said earlier, but you look on the gym, people don't train hard. The odd one or two do, but nobody's really really pushing it so they're always probably one way from failure or two away from failure so I think people can do that to go actually that's what I am so the training can come up to just under that level so you don't fail on every set all the time because you know where to program the next week or where your weight needs to be the next week or where your reps need to be the next week yeah I think um, one thing that maybe is a downfall of IR, RPE, or like that type of water regulation, is it doesn't take into account necessarily. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. So it, it kind of, it obviously does. It, well, it doesn't take into account the psychology of a lifter, in that it does obviously because if your psychology of that lifter is that you're not feeling great that day, then you'll probably underperform. I.e., your RPEs or will be higher because your rate of perceived exertion will be higher based on you're not feeling great and you know the usual weight you lift might feel really fucking hard so therefore what was an eight now feels like a nine or a ten because oh i'm not feeling great um and i think obviously so it takes into account in that respect which is obviously the point of auto regulation the fact that you're auto regulating your performance based on how you feel but that i think can also sometimes play be to someone's detriment in that that then means maybe they're not providing their muscles with the with the same stimulus as maybe they could um albeit that is a downside. It's also flip on its head a positive part in that it just brings us right back circle down to the one of the main benefits and as to why RPE auto regulation that type of stuff is um, shown as probably like a more positive and get better results than like straight periodized linear, linear periodization. I should say straight linear um, is because consistency. Like if you're auto regulating and you're rather than having a all or nothing type of I didn't meet my reps today. I failed. I fucked it. Then you give up. You can afford. Well, I just didn't feel as good today, so I didn't quite do as much. And you just consistently carry on and come back next week, and they know oh, I did hit my my rep scheme. Whereas previously, before you might not have. So I guess like if you flip it around, you, there's also that positive to it. So there's there's many ways to train, isn't there, to get the results? Yeah. Like as long as you've got the principles in place, then you can decide how you want to train. You look at Mike Israel and John B. There's totally different ways to train it, but very big, very strong. 
Very juiced up. Oh, a couple of us said that. But yeah, they're not going to care. They, they know. Oh, I think I they mean, both I admitted think, it. I think JP said in his latest one, in one of his podcasts, he, he's been up to five grams for before show and he said he wouldn't do it again. Oosh. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. But, he's a big, he's a big guy. Yeah, but he's, he is intelligent. He's not your typical, stereotypical boy who looks a bit thick, who just got good genetics, who just trains how he feels and gets results, like the pros, most of them. Yeah. He's very intelligent, knows how to train, knows how to diet, understands health, but, you know, still it doesn't affect that they, he can train the guy as well because of what he's doing yeah. to be able to recover properly the thing, as the well. Thing, the thing is, he, he, was he was quite open about how his training method might not really be optimal, but it's optimal for him because that's what keeps him adhering. He said he doesn't like not training balls to the fucking wall. So yeah. he trains that way knowing knowing full well about the negative aspects of what they're training that way, but that's what makes him happy and keeps him going and training. So, And like we say, consistency trumps everything. Yeah. Well, funny enough, I watched a video today of him training first... Um, first week of his cycle of legs and he has started using RAR has he? after the conversation with Mike that's very yeah. interesting yeah because he said he made a good punt he said me and his, his girlfriend wife Corinne yeah Corinne, whatever Corinne yeah. at a level especially he's 300 pound off season so it's like he's the top of the tree you know maybe not you know, Olympia level but in terms of muscle mass he's right up there that he can't rely now on progressing weight because he's at such a level where he's like shoulder press and set like a dumbbells. Where are you going to go from there? Obviously, there's 80, 90s, but it's not realistic for him to keep pushing that sort of weight because he's he's not going to get stronger quickly because he's such well, an he'll advanced. Break, he'll break before he does, won't he? Obviously, the yeah. amount of fatigue that will yeah. um, create, obviously, yeah. you can't just keep getting that intensity is getting higher and higher because still, just yeah. his body will break even yeah. with the, even with the assistance. I know, hundred percent. But he made a point. He said, "Like you look at the, you look at the top pros that have ever been the best bodybuilders. They've always been the, the strongest, not for one or two, but consistently over volume. So like they're strong across a lot of sets. They're not just going, oh, I can bench two hundred k for one set of ten. They go, I can bench two hundred k for four sets of ten. Hmm. So he said, I'm using RIR so I can keep the weight as is." push the volume more so I'm obviously creating more work and a different way of periodizing and a different way of advancing than just purely on weight mm-hmm. and intensity alone but by increasing volume so he's gone from like two work and sets to maybe three I mean so <clears throat> you think a lot of people a lot of normal, like not normal people do three four sets of exercise so he's doing quote unquote what normal people do but obviously at a different level so yeah, there's you know different ways to do things. I don't know what the point of that was, but I was I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully, other people will have made and taken at least something from it, even if it was just a bit of light entertainment. Um, let's wrap us up. Hit the hour mark. Let's yeah. Uh, let's start with a feature. No good cop, bad cop. I.e., good product, bad product. So yeah. this week is back to me. I have two products here, one good, one bad. Albeit I am kind of manipulating that slightly because I'll be honest, neither are actually bad. But one is probably a bit underwhelming slash um, not as good as I hoped and the other one's 
way better than I thought and is brilliant. Well, no, not really way better than I thought. As good as I hoped, it's probably a better phrase. So, uh, I'm going to show you these two products now, Jonathan. I would like you to describe them to the audience because this is an audio podcast and not a visual one. Jump on YouTube, shall we? Well, we should, but we haven't. Right, can you see that? Do I need to turn this stupid blur yes. function off again? Here yeah. we go. Right. All right. Is that chalk you? Don't we call that? Yeah. Aldi's own. Salted pretzel. Oh, there. Yeah. So it's a chocolate yeah. salted pretzel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a chocolate bar with bits of salted pretzel in. Right. That's got to be the good one. Got to be. <laughs> that's got to be because it sounds amazing. Right. This is a cereal box. Oh, no. You should be describing this. Dipping, dipping dots, family size. Got pull up a bit. Cookies and cream cereal, basically. Yep. Um, Arby's per thirty grams. Yeah. They must be quite light. They like them in rice per spoon. A little bit. Um, one cup. It says. I don't know what they did. One cup is doesn't say on here actually what one cup equates to, but I think it's, well, probably, it's about well, thirty grams. I think. Thirty-two. One cup is apparently thirty-two grams. So about that. Um, so Dippin' Dots if anyone's ever been to America this is a quite a popular brand of ice cream which I believe I once had it when I was very young in Kennedy Space Center which I think is made with something like liquid nitrogen so the, they, the, the liquid nitrogen obviously molecules must move in a certain manner where when it's put into cream or ice cream make ice cream it turns them into tiny little balls like really literally like perfectly um, sphere, perfect spheres so it's quite a cool little like ice cream, like loads of little balls. Um, Where did you get from? Well, America, but I didn't get these from America. These were from B&M Home Stores, I believe, actually. But it's an American cereal. Obviously, they've decided to branch out from ice cream to making an equivalent. A bit like Reese's do, you know, they made a cereal. You know, Dippin' Dots, they've made a cookies and cream flavor ice cream cereal. So it's basically a bit like the Reese's in terms of tiny little puffed like corn and oat balls with little kind of, I don't know, can only call them cookie clusters in, like little chocolatey cookie clusters. So, Johnny, your bet, um, good one, good one, bad, which is good, which is bad? The bad one was the cereal, and the good one was the chocolate pretzel. You are on the money. Um, the yes. chocolate pretzel was everything I'd hope it would be. It was delicious, because you can't beat salty, crunchy pretzel with nice, smooth, creamy milk chocolate. It was outrageously good. And for, like, I don't know, £1.50 for a, quite a thick slab. Look at that, yeah. it's a pretty thick slab. That's um, yeah. Um, well, that is 150 calories. They're in like blocks, like a, the size of a club bar, or something like that. You know, like a trio or a club. Is it a trio? Yeah. They're in blocks that sort of size, and they're 150 calories a go. So it's not. Yeah, you know, they're quite calorie, but obviously it's a decent sized chunk of chocolate, so you can get away with one. Um, the dipping dots, however, a bit mediocre, annoyingly. <laughs> they, it was like four quid a box as well. Albeit it is a big box. It's a family size, as you said. It's got 18 ounces in it. So why do they, why do why do, why do they charge much for American cereal? It's made exactly the same as our cereals. Well, this yeah. is this is an import though, because it's got a sticker on the side over the ENI nutritional information. So it's obviously an import, and they've had to put an EU, currently EU, an EU sticker over it. So um, General Mills makes them, which is obviously a big company in America. Um, there you go. One good, one bad. That was it. Disappointing dipping dots. Stick to your Reese's Puffs or the Aldi own version of the Reese's Puffs, whatever they're called, yeah. American. I won't spend four pound on the box of cereal. No. Well, the Reese's the Reese's rip offs from Aldi, are like one pound fifty or something a box, and they're fucking brilliant. 
So, unfortunately, they were a one-time only thing, I think. And once stalls ran out, I don't think they've got them again. They might have been at another point in the future, but lucky enough, I've got three boxes in the cupboard still. Funny enough, I, wonder, I know it's not a seal. I went to B&M the other day. Mm-hmm. Chicken breasts in a pack. Are they? £1.80 or something. I wouldn't buy it from there. Probably I not, did. Probably I not bought. chicken. Okay, what chicken is. It was probably not chicken. Yeah, it is. I cut the fat off and we were all good to go. Tastes like chicken. I bet it, I bet it was something like human breast meat. Oh, well, if his meat's kaput, you know, whatever. As long as it's got... You don't know, though. It might not have protein. It might be something else. Mm, could be. Did Did you cook it and it shrink to about an eighth of its size? Funny enough, no. It was actually quite... It felt quite nice, actually. It felt like an organic chicken. No, <laughs> it an organic chicken? No, they do. They, they feel... Who knew an organic chicken? I bought you to buy organic mean, When you say organic, do you just mean free range, as in not corn fed? Oh, in organic. Tesco's do a green... Well, they used to do a well, green... It might be organic, yeah. But is, it was organic. But you feel them. You just, they just feel different. And, but when you cook them all, I found the organic, because there wasn't any water in them at all. You were, it was stringy and chewy, and it was, they were shitter than the actual normal chickens. Oh. Okay. Just some... I, I actually had to complain to Tesco this week about some chicken that I bought. Um, I opened the pack on the 1st of August, which was the use-by date, and it stunk. And like really bad like you know obviously these chickens have or chicken packs have a gas in don't they that obviously help preserve them which always smells odd but obviously dissipates within five seconds or so that's very normal this just smelled like a weird oxen beefy smell which shouldn't smell of chicken or shouldn't come from chicken and it had like a weird residue over it and it was very discoloured and I was like what the fuck is this this has gone off so um, that fucked me up for tea didn't it but I did I did complain to Tesco it cost me like nine quid this pack of chicken I was like well I'm having my money back. They are sending me my money back, my money back to be fair. So. You probably just tell the supplier now that they probably give them a load of stuff. Because like, oh. with that, obviously we provide title on the test, isn't it? One couple of bags are wrong, they'll send you a load of back. Yeah. But yeah. if someone complains, then test, if one person complains, then they'll, yeah, they'll test will recall the order. Yeah. They they are they are savage, aren't they, Tesco, when it comes to that stuff? Bear in mind, our quality complaints are three in one million. Three, and they'll send it back. I think the Tesco's are dicks, basically, yeah. because they get all the power. Yeah, that's probably why you should shop independent. Albeit though, the only thing I will say, and I do like to shop local, and I do think it's good, but does it really matter if you make someone local rich or Tes- the oh. Mr. Tesco rich? This is exactly what irritates me with these stupid Facebook posts. Have you seen them on about? No. Nope. Seen them. As little as a coffee shop or something, whatever it is, isn't it? it? You can do it for any business. With a little um, chalk put outside, um, I don't know, buying buying from local is going to help the owner buy a, a kid some shoes for school or something like that. Um, and then if you're buying from a big multinational, you're just buying a CEO of the holiday home, they can hang a fucking boat now. These CEOs will work more than you ever can fucking imagine. So don't tell them, don't feed me up. Oh, it's a filming business. If you can't compete, tough shit. That's how it is, unfortunately. Oh, so, sav- savage, Johnny. Savage. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. You start a business, it's a brutal game. If you can't act it, that's going to end of it, unfortunately. I, I think... But bullshit, I think it is. I think the issue is the shareholders, really. The shareholders get rich rather than... Like, the, the CEO probably is working a fucking ass off. If there's anything like I know... Well, Mark Wilson, who was the CEO of, obviously, my, my employer, um, I know for well that guy barely gets a fucking break like literally works all the time like it must be such a high stress job as well like they deserve a decent pay 
um, the new CEO, Morris Tullock. I don't know him, so I don't know. But anyway, regardless, you know, CEOs of big companies all are super stressed, fucking work really hard. I guess it's the shareholders people like you're paying for like the shareholders of Tesco's to get rich because obviously that's who they're reporting that's who they're trying to make sure that they um, get their investment back for anyway like I do I do agree the point though it's kind of like well I'll be honest you get a local businessman how do I like say oh support your local business you know make sure that you buy local it's like yeah I like doing that if business are struggling but if, they're, if that just means they're going to buy two Ferraris instead of one what's the fucking difference in me paying my money to Tesco's then you know, still buying fucking Ferraris got more than they need. Like, what? Like, why should I support my local business just to be even richer? I'd prefer yeah. it if I knew that they, they were struggling and that you know, support your local business and try to keep them afloat. Because I know that also does happen. Because um, obviously, because yeah. obviously, especially like restaurants and stuff during peak seasons, like independents probably yeah do really well. Problem is, is during the low seasons they then struggle and sometimes the cash flow is not enough to keep and keep them in business and they go out of business. Whereas someone like a chain or you know, like in other industries. They have big parent companies or other like parts of the business that can keep them afloat during when times are low, so that they can then make it up for in the in the more peak periods. Whereas independents don't have that. So, I think people also forget that Tesco's was once one shop. True. Not something did people forget that like they they worked hard enough to get to where they are now. Yeah. So it's like, why didn't you just like well actually I've supported this business now, so this guy's turned over a million. So because he's now so rich, I'm not going. Buying local now because he's got too much money. Ridiculous mindset to have. Yeah. Well, I, the only thing I will say is um, we both stay, started this with we hate Tesco's because they they monopolise and basically give like pr- producers of products fucking shit deals, don't they? Like your toy yeah, yeah. 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 So they are cunts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's a like, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's end this right now because we're way into it, and I want to go to sleep. Um, photo shoot sign up launched yeah emails went out today there'll be another link tomorrow and the next day I believe and I believe Eduardo is going to post in the group well, and that's, in... assume, that's assuming he actually shows his face where the fuck is he I, did, I think he did reply and said he has told you like 25 times a week he can't do it because he's away I don't care so, I don't care it's not good enough I'll fight um, <laughs> you're joking, are you? Posh boy Ed's never had a fight in his life. Hey, does Jag? What? Does Jag, me? Posh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's never had a fight in his life. You honestly think Ed could fight, and you think Ed would beat me in a fight? Not, I didn't say anything. No, but do do you? Even, well, I'm asking the question. Who do you think would win the fight, me or Ed? I think you're a bit more fiery, anyway. So, so <laughs> is your answer me then that I would beat Ed up easily? And you don't, you never, you never really know, do you? You know, Ed give you a right psycho, you never know, do you? But no I chance. would say from your demeanour, you're a bit more combative. That you would probably inch him up, maybe. I would fuck that bitch up. Well, Bad. You never know. Never judge a book by its colour. No, true. Um, albeit, like, at least I, I kind of got a reasonable idea how to punch and how to actually fight. I don't think Ed even knows how to do that. I think he'd be like one of these guys where we're threatening a punch and he'd end up breaking his own hand or something. Or he'd end up, like, I don't know, overextending his shoulder and, like, going down on the floor crying because he's hurt his arm. I'm trying arms next day. <laughs> right, anyway. So, 
If anyone wants to get involved in the photo shoot, nncoaching.com forward slash photo shoot hyphen sign up. There you go. Yeah. I glad you got the link. Yeah. yeah. Well, either or. Yeah. Or you can just go to nncoaching.com, click on sign up. Yeah. Whereas there's cool. a menu there. You can go on the photo shoot sign up if you want to do that way. Yeah. It's at the top. It's at the top. Um, like a very particular cry, which means that she's probably got a mouse somewhere or some animal. Well, you probably need to go and save that animal. I'm going to save a mice now. Right. Um, or, obviously, alternatively on the photo shoot side, if you want to get involved, get some extreme, like, outrageous transformation results, then just join the Facebook group and make sure that you see the posts come in because all the links will be there. Yes, they will. Really. Cool, right. Thank you, Jonathan. I've enjoyed our chat about not a lot, but it's been interesting for for us to kind of converse. As is always. It's been a so, pleasure. Never been, a short. It is. So I guess I'll see you on the other side. Yes, you will. Okay, bye. No bad, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.